Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 139 of The Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz and as one of your hosts, it's always a great pleasure to bring you a new episode each and every week. Now, of course, we did have a week off last week. Uh, our schedules didn't work. I was traveling internationally and just couldn't uh, find the time to record. So apologies once again for that. Uh, but we have got a, a bumper episode waiting for you in the wings just now. Um, so I think we are going to not waste a moment longer. Let's just uh, get things started. Let's get Chris on the line and start talking all things cruise. Enjoy the show. And it's always great to welcome back our good friend and maritime historian, Chris Frame. Welcome back, my friend. Great to be back. And welcome back to you as well. You yes. missed last week. Yes, we did have a week off. Uh, I was uh, overseas in Auckland for, for work, um, which was great. Uh, spoiled with a little bit of uh, luxury hotels, some great dining, the wine tours, and mm. uh, a lot of networking, which is always good. Um, but it is back. We're, we're always proud and, uh, to bring back another episode, and that's yeah, why we're nice. here. Yeah, well, I'm glad you got to have a good time. It sounds like a, a nice trip. We were talking um, off air about uh, yeah. all the adventures you had, and you definitely deserve it, Baz. Well, thank you, thank you. Um, but, of course, uh, we've got quite a lot to get through. There's a lot of happening around the world, but, of course, we need mm. to acknowledge that uh, yesterday, well, first of all, today is Sunday the 7th of May, yesterday the 6th, of course, there's a little event in uh, London, uh, which the world was kindly <laughs> watching, um, and that does feature quite heavily uh, across a lot of the cruise line news this week. Mm. We filtered a lot of it out. A lot of it was around promotions and things, but of course, um, it was the, the coronation of King Charles and Queen Camilla yesterday, sure. and uh, that got me and you thinking, because of course, royalty has had quite a bit of a connection to the, the naming of ships, mm. and uh, I asked you to take a little look at what uh, the former... Princess of Wales had uh, previously christened. Yeah, so um, uh, the the ships christened by Queen Camilla. Um, there's only there's only a couple, but the you know royal connection to christening ships goes back quite a long way. Hmm. Um, the, the royalty used to travel on passenger ships. They would, I mean, it was the only way to travel really. So they would quite yeah. often have these passenger ships chartered, or they would um, use them as you know. Um, requisitioned royal yachts and that sort of thing um, through to um, just having sort of minor members of the royal family traveling as um, as fair paying passengers in first class with with large portions of first class booked out and that sort of stuff on the old ocean liners but mm. um, christening of ships by our passenger ships by royalty the the first um, major event was queen mary back in the 1930s and she mm -hmm. was christened by uh, queen mary the queen consort of of um King George V, mm -hmm. and uh, and then of course uh, Queen Elizabeth was was christened by uh, Queen Elizabeth, uh, who was later Queen Elizabeth the Queen Mother, the Queen Consort of King George VI. Um, you had QE2 and QM2, um, as well as the Oriana, and a whole host of others um, christened by Her Majesty uh, Queen Elizabeth II. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, Britannia as well. 
um, and the Southern Cross, and a few. There's a few other ships as well. Actually, I did a whole video about the ships of the Queen, the Queen herself. Yeah, uh, I remember present, that, yeah. the late Queen. Um, and then when it was from, but from a Cunard point of view, when it was um, when it was time to 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 name uh, officially name the Queen Victoria, um, they once again approached the royal family, and this time it was then the, the then Duchess of Cornwall, of course, now Queen Camilla. Mm-hmm. It was asked to to christen the ship. So this took place in 2007, um, and the christening was undertaken in Southampton. The ship had already been launched and given its sea trials over in Italy, where it was built, and had been brought across um, to to Southampton for the for the christening under the command of um, Captain Paul Wright. And when she was um, alongside uh, then Prince Charles and the Duchess of Cornwall. Um, uh, visited the ship, they did a sort mm-hmm. of inspection of it, and then the christening um, process took place. Um, and this, of course, is when you name the ship officially. So, you, you know, I named the ship Queen Victoria, and then mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. there's a button that's pressed and the, the sparkling uh, wine goes and crashes onto the bow. And that's sort of like a, a maritime tradition. It's a, it's a good omen for it to, to smash. But on Queen Victoria's christening, unfortunately, the bottle did not break. Mm-hmm. And so you can see it on YouTube, actually. There's this kind of like awkward moment where the bottle hits the side of the ship and it kind of goes dump, 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 and nothing happens. <laughs> and there was, according to news reports, I don't, I've never heard it myself because you don't get the audio, but um, according to news reports at the time, there were audible gasps by people from, you know, <laughs> with a maritime heritage because they knew that this was um, bad by maritime yeah. law being an old um, tradition. It was uh, supposedly bad luck, but as we know, Queen Victoria it's been sailing for a long time. Nothing's gone wrong. Ship is in good condition. So um, obviously they dodged they dodged a bullet with that one. <laughs> and some people were quick to point out the fact that the ships built in Italy are, or, are already christened before they arrive That's right, um, for yeah. the delivery. Yeah, they get they get christened at their um, floating out when they have a madrina who mm-hmm. um, uh, who, who christens the ship. And Queen Victoria had had that before um, she she was floated out. Um, now, what's interesting, Baz, you probably rem- you might remember this actually, is the following year, P and O, another carnival corporation ship, they were a company rather, they were going to christen their new ship uh, Ventura, mm-hmm. um, and Helen Mirren, the actress, oh, um, yeah, and uh, <laughs> you know what I'm going to say, yeah. um, she played the queen, obviously, but she, she was uh, in uh, in in the in the movie, but she was invited to to name um, Ventura, and just to make 100% sure that the christening went off without a hitch, not only did she activate the bottle to go and smash on the side, but they also had some Royal Marines who scaled the side of the ship (laughs) and smashed a bottle against the name just to make 100% sure that it was going to happen. Um, So that was, that was a little bit of fun. And then um, from, from Queen Camilla's point of view, she has also christened the uh, Saga cruise ship, the spirit of discovery. Mm-hmm. And um, that took place just within the last few years. Um, of course, it's quite a new ship, um, and that christening ceremony again went off um, went off perfectly. And uh, and the ship's been in service. Uh, I think she started cruising just before the pandemic, and then um, has come back into service now that um, things mm. have gone back to normal. So there's only two that um, that I that I wanted to talk about today from Queen Camilla's point of view. But it is interesting to to see that um, no matter where you turn, there is some sort of shipping connection with all of the different uh, things that are happening around the world mm. so it, uh, it's um it's fun to do these little deep dives down onto a particular topic <laughs> i think i just incorrectly referred to camilla as the princess of wales which of course she wasn't 
Yeah, I think you did, but I knew what you meant because I, I'm pretty sure that officially after she married Charles, she yeah. was the Princess of Wales, but never used uh, that never title. Used the name. She was right. just known as the Duchess of Cornwall. She went with that title, I think, to obviously to separate the um, yep. Yep. the connection between uh, her and, and Diana, who was so very well known as the Princess of Wales. And now, yep. of course, it's... um. It's it's uh, Kate. Kate, yeah, she, she's the um, the Princess of Wales there now. Yeah, yeah. And just looking ahead, obviously, Cunard, Queen Anne's on the horizon. I think I'm right in saying that um, Cunard haven't actually announced who the the, the godmother will be. Um, have you got a gut feeling at all, Chris? I don't actually. You know, um, I'm not sure which way they're going to go. I'm sure they know what they want <laughs> to do with it um, and who who they're wanting to to ask. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if there's some sort of um, royal family connection there but uh you know queen anne is a little bit different from previous ships she's a more modern interior wise particularly mm. a more modern take on the cunard product um and you can see that in all of the artist renditions that are coming out it's kind of yeah, like yeah. Uh, bringing the brand into an into a new sort of dimension so it may well be that they go a completely different path but um perhaps perhaps it will be queen camilla and um and king charles that would be quite quite a nice little um connection in with the previous cunard queens at least yeah or i wonder if um i wonder if they would consider princess charlotte she might be too young they might not want a child as a godmother but that'd be a nice little mod to the nod for a new ship and a new era for cunard but also to a new era of royalty as well time will tell yeah. i guess and um in my re- recent research i have found out that there was in fact two cunard ships that ran for cunard that were ma- named by by men rather than women. So oh. um, perhaps they'll break with tradition again and um, go a completely different path. Who knows? Who knows well, let's, let's share that little story for a future episode, I reckon. I think so. <laughs> awesome, Chris. Let's take a very quick break and then we'll be back with some fact or fiction. Sounds good. Subscribe now and rate and review on your favorite podcast platform. Fact or fiction. Okay, Chris, hit me with fact or fiction for this week. All right. It's another, it's a royal connection and it's a Cunard connection, given what we've just been talking about. Mm -hmm. So, um, fact or fiction, including Queen Anne, Mm -hmm. Cunard has had eight queens and there is one that no one ever remembers. Oh, God, hang on. One, two, three, four. (laughs) He's counting them out. Which which Uh, ones do you remember? Two Elizabeths, two Marys, Victoria, Anne. I think you're right. I think there's another one. You're right. <laughs> I don't know what it is, though. I don't know what it is. Oh, now you've got to tell us all about it now. <laughs> no, I haven't got a clue. I, uh, fair just, enough. Yeah, no. So the ones, the ones we do remember, yeah. well, everyone remembers, that is uh, Queen Mary, 1936. Mm-hmm. And then there was Queen Elizabeth, which entered service during World War II. Mm-hmm. Then there was, of course, the Kiwi II mm-hmm. and Queen Mary II. Mm-hmm. Both of those were named by um, the, la- the late Queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's Queen Victoria, which we've just been talking about. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Queen uh, Elizabeth, which mm-hmm. was the new cruise ship that's in service now and oh, it yep, was yep. named again by, by the late Queen. And you have Queen Anne, which is coming online. The eighth one was the first one, and it's actually Berengaria. Oh, now you say the name, I know it. Yes, of course. Yeah, and the reason why people forget it, I think, is because it didn't have the queen prefix. It was just called Berengaria. But Berengaria was the queen consort of Richard I. So 
It had an IA, IA ending on its name, which fit in nicely with Cunard's naming convention, but yep. most of the Cunard ships back in the 19, um, late 1910s, early 1920s was um, were named after ancient Roman provinces, but Berengaria <laughs> obviously isn't. And the ship itself was actually originally built as the Hamburg America Liner Imperator. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, laid up in America during World War One to try and keep it safe when America was neutral. Of course, when America entered the war, they they seized a lot of the German ships and put yep. them into service as troop carriers or um, troop transports. And uh, Imperator was no no exception. So she um, ended up doing service with uh, the Americans and the British. And then after the war, um, Cunard and Y-Star actually came together um, and at a very, very, very discounted rate purchased um, Imperator and the Bismarck, another big passenger ship that was mm-hmm. under construction, mm-hmm. um, not the battleship. <laughs> and um, and then they put them into service as uh, Berengaria for Cunard and Majestic for White Star Line. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so she was given this name and became the flagship, and um, she handed over flagship status to Queen Mary when she entered service in the 1930s. So yeah. the one that no one remembers, but it was the first, and I think it would be nice if we, if they ever wanted to go back to the um, tradition and have the IA names come back, that might be a nice bridge between the old and, and the new to have a, a second mm. bearing carrier, but... I don't know. It's, yeah. I tend to feel like that uh, Cunard will continue to use the names that are, um, you know, connected with with royalty and uh, and relatively easy to, to to write and pronounce. But then yeah. part of me thinks if Holland America can do so well with the, um, you know, with with some of their um, Zurindam and Koningsdam, Koningsdam yep, yep. Um, I think that they could probably go back to some of their um, older names if the fleet was to ever ever grow because people can get used to it. People can yeah, pronounce yeah. Mauritania. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Time will tell, of course. <laughs> exactly. Who knows? Crystal good balls would be a great thing, wouldn't they? <laughs> good fact or fiction, Chris. Thank you for that. Well done. Talk. You're getting good at this. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> we, might, we might have to think of a of a different segment now. <laughs> keep getting them all right. <laughs> uh, of course, if you have a fact or fiction that you want Chris to surprise me with, uh, you can send it in via Chris's YouTube channel or his website so that uh, I don't yep. see it if you send it through to the, the podcast website, of course. Yeah, um, just just go to chriscunard.com and then go to the contact us bit and send me one through there because then Baz can't see it. <laughs> love it, we love don't it. don't want him to know because then he'll do his research. <laughs> now chris we can jump straight into cruise news i think Uh, it's almost turning into a kunod exclusive uh, episode this not all all of the cruise lines had done various things uh, yesterday around the coronation depending on where you were in the world saw lots of photographs online on instagram social media etc of people Mm. participating in flag uh, waving and other activities that were taking place around Mm. the various ships of the fleet but of course let's keep it to kunod because it does have that tie to the royal family but of course they did celebrate on all three ships, which were actually at sea yesterday. What were they up yeah. to, Chris? Well, there was um, a special coronation dinner that was put on um, on all three ships across that that evening of the mm-hmm. 6th of May. Um, and they say it was inspired by the king's love of farming and agriculture and game. So I haven't actually seen the, the, the printed full printed menu, but it sounds like it would be an interesting sort of mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, selection of dishes, and there was a um, a coronation oath 
cocktail put together. I'm just reading that as well. Yeah, yeah, made with prosecco, which is interesting, given it's not. Um, yeah, you know, but that's what they christened the, sh- the ships in Italy with. So yeah, there you true, go. True. So there's a nice little connection there. Um, yeah, prosecco, and, white vermouth, grapefruits, and cardamom bitters. Yeah, and then the monarch martini using three queens gin. I wonder if they're going to have to rebrand their gin distillery to four queens when the new <laughs> one comes out. Um, but you know what's interesting, Baz, is that Queen Mary II was supposed to be doing a transatlantic crossing at this particular time, mm. but um, she was kept over in Southampton. Uh, one, uh, two crossings were were cancelled at, at very short oh, notice. Oh, yeah. They had some maintenance um, they needed to do, didn't they? Yeah. yeah, so Queen Mary II needed some maintenance. Uh, 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 no one seems to know um, publicly exactly what it, what it was, but um, that was um, dealt with in Southampton. And then it's been um, it's been sorted out. So what they did is they actually organised this um, special last minute trip up to Liverpool and back for the coronation. Mm. And I am very jealous because I have some um, some very good friends who who live in the UK now who are on the ship. They managed to book. They managed to get Queen's Grill at an absolute steal. Wow. Um, and so they're travelling. You know, in the lap in the you know, luxurious surroundings going up to, to Liverpool, of all places, Cunard's spiritual home, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they're there for the uh, on board the ship for the coronation event. So really looking forward to hearing about their experience. And I might actually see if they'd like to come and do a cruise review. Oh, um, yeah. You know, awesome. Maybe we can re, re, um, re-inaugurate this. And, and Cunard did send a little note through about this um, event, and they did they, they'd point out that their royal connection – um, date back to 1861 because they had Prince Alfred um, sail uh, from Halifax uh, ah, in yeah. Nova Scotia across to Liverpool on the Arabia, which ah. is one of the Cunard steamers. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of links back to that original comment I made at the start of the um, of the episode yeah. where um, royalty would, in in the days where there was no other option but to say sail by ship, royalty mm. would, would sail on the on the ocean liners from place to place. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and actually, Baz, you know, one of the other things that's happened whilst um, whilst we've been off for a week is that Queen Anne has been floated out. She has, yeah. In fact, I think I, yeah, I originally had that further down in the, the show notes, uh, but that's no, we can talk about that. Uh, but I just want to stick with Liverpool for one second because I saw some incredible footage whilst Mary, Queen QM2 was up in Liverpool mm. because Liverpool's hosting the Eurovision Song Contest mm. and there was an amazing firework display that was put on um, with the, the beautiful colours um, to to signify that the, the Eurovision Song Contest was about to open and mm. uh, Queen Mary 2 was alongside at the time when that all was all happening. It looked spectacular. That's cool. I didn't actually see that, so I'm going to go Google it when we finish this episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's stay with Cunard. You're right. Uh, Queen Anne has been floated out uh, back on the 4th of May, so just uh, just shy or earlier this week, I guess. Mm. Um, she was floated out, and uh, she's preparing. We're almost a year away from her launch, actually. Yes, it was It was uh, floated out on on the um, one-year-to-go to mark, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, again, it's the, the float out's interesting. Queen Anne is interesting because she's She's been christened by the Madrina mm-hmm. at the float out, mm-hmm. but she was also launched because the bow section was built at the at the Tos, um, Toscano uh, shipyard. Yep, and then it was um, towed across to um, the shipyard where she's uh, where she's being built in in Venice. Mm-hmm. So um, it's quite interesting to see that uh, that Queen Anne has had so many different elements to her construction um, with bits of the ship being built in different places. Mm. But now she's as a completed um, 
structure, I suppose, and they now would do all the work on the fitting out in the interior and making sure that the ship is all ready to to go and um, and in one year's time, um, it'll be really exciting to see all of the ships together. Okay, quick question. When was the last time there was four Cunard ships in the fleet? Well, it was when um, Carnival acquired... Um, Cunard line and in 1999 oh, you knew it they, <laughs> well you know I, I mean I did know this because I, I do remember living through um, living through this period of time but mm-hmm. I've also just recently done a video about um, about two things firstly about Cunard getting the new ship but also uh, there's a video about Queen Anne's um, float out as well so I've been doing yep. a little bit of digging but um, you know in, in 98 when Carnival acquired um, Cunard it had um, five ships it was QE2, Vista Fjord, Raw Viking Sun, Sea Goddess 1 and Sea Goddess 2. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1999 they made the decision to to merge Cunard and Seaborn together as mm-hmm. one company with two brands and in that period of time in late 99 that's when they started they finished the final cruises with Cunard's cruise ships and started to move them across to Seabourn so uh, 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 Royal Viking Sun was moved across to Seabourn Sun during 99 Sea Goddess 1 Sea Goddess 2 finished their last cruises for Cunard in 1999 then they went across to to Seabourn and were officially Mm -hmm. accepted into the fleet in January 2000 but they had they had already left Cunard service in 99 so and yep. you ended up with Kiwi 2 and Vistafjord Vistafjord of course was renamed Coronia and the mm-hmm. rest is history they, they brought in Queen Mary 2 a few years later so um, Cunard's had a small sort of niche fleet it's interesting to see it getting bigger mm. I actually have a gut feel Baz that Cunard would do super good if it had Super good. Where did that come from? <laughs> I actually have a gut feel, Baz, that Cunard would do really well if they had some smaller, um, sort of maybe maybe even sort of mid-sized cruise ships as well to kind of balance the fleet a bit because I think yep. that some of the more sort of um, smaller ports and the more adventurous kind of itineraries might suit the brand really well. So who knows what's going to happen in the future? It'll be really interesting to see. Yeah. I, not everybody wants big ships. and We, we need to remember that. There's a, a – yeah. a, you know, there's these new cruise lines, you know, when you look at um, Explorer Journeys and what um, Viking are doing, you know, mm. around about that thousand passenger mark is a really nice sweet spot for a lot of travelers. And um, once it gets too big, uh, they tend to shy away a little bit. So uh, maybe big and new is good for new markets. But uh, yeah. yeah, for the for the diehards, I think uh, you need to get that balance right. Exactly. Now, there are other ships being launched, of course. Uh, Swan Hellenic has uh, just uh, received SH Diana. She had a naming ceremony, of course, in Amsterdam. She did on 4th of May. It's just passed um, not not Mm. too long ago. She's the third of their ICE-class cultural expedition ships. Um, And, uh, you know, Swan Hellenic's kind of um, reborn and uh, now has got three very modern ships in their fleet bars. Mm. And very, very different to the previous Swan Atlantic, of course. Um, of course. It's, uh, yeah, it evolved to become something completely different. And staying with um, new ships, uh, Silver Nova has been welcomed into um, Silver Seas Fleets. She's a 12th expedition ship. Yes, uh, the Mayer Werft shipyard. It's um, you know one of the big um, shipbuilding yards in Papenburg in Germany. And Silver Nova, she's had that um, very special milestone as well, Baz, where they... Um, weld the coins into uh into the ship this time 
on the pool deck, so it's going to be easy for everybody to see. Oh, and okay. that's uh, a symbol of good luck, and it dates all the way back to, to early um, maritime traditions where they used to attach coins of mm. the country where the ship was built just below the mast of a ship, um, but now they do it in all different interesting ways. Yeah, um, we spoke she's also got a um, she's also got a uh, an LNG power plant. This particular mm. ship as well. Yeah, yeah. I think I incorrectly referred to her as an expedition ship. She is an expedition ship, but not all of Silver Sea's ships are expeditions. But this one is. She's uh, carrying seven hundred and twenty eight guests. She'll be sailing from summer of twenty twenty three, and mm. uh, yeah, she's looking stunning. I have to say, sounds good. Hmm. Now, um, good news out of Hong Kong, America. Not mm. only is this very Kunal centric, <laughs> it's very, um, very Carnival and kind of Carnival corporate centric this week. Uh, Hong Kong, America has announced that for the very first time, they're going to be offering two Grand World Voyages. The second one of which is actually a pole to pole circular cruise from the US. Yes, it's remarkable, isn't it? Mm. So they've got the the pole to pole highlights. Um, it's uh, being sailed on board uh, Volendam. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting, actually. They're they're the two older ships are the ones that they've chosen to do this, which is mm. really nice. And they are um, still much beloved ships, those two. Oh, yeah. um, I think uh, from from what I'm hearing as well, I mean, some people are still missing um, Amsterdam and Rotterdam as well. So yeah, yep. there was there was a lot of love for those, those smaller ships, as we were talking about before. Anyway, 133 days departing 25th January 2025. It's a round trip <laughs> from Fort Lauderdale. Um, and uh, it goes across 68 ports and five continents, covering 28 countries, Baz. Um, <laughs> the other one is uh, the, a grand voyage on board Zurindam, um, 124 days, so slightly shorter, but again, departs um, in January 2025, the 4th of January, again from, uh, from Fort Lauderdale, mm. and this one takes in 46 ports across 32 countries and six continents. Yeah. Um, and uh, have you... You know, looking at the list here, do you have a couple of port highlights that you would you would pick out if you had got to do on this particular voyage? What I like on these grand voyages with Holland America is they quite often have overnights or extended stays, mm. um, and on both of these are doing exactly that. So on the pole to pole, uh, we've got Fuerte Amador, we've got uh, uh, Lima uh, in Peru, mm. we've got Buenos Aires, Argentina, mm. Rio de Janeiro. Barcelona. We'll come back to Barcelona in just a second. Mm. Uh, yeah. Lisbon and Reykjavik in Iceland. Yeah, then of course the uh, the overnights on the Zidadam for the world cruise is um, we've got oh, Easter Island. As as I just oh. realised, mate, well, I haven't had enough coffee because I said Zurindam, thinking it was oh. one of the older ships, but Zidadam, of course, is Zidadam, one of yeah. the, it was one of the vistas. So yeah. <laughs> one older ship and one vista class. All right, sorry, <laughs> so my bad. Still both very my much bad. loved. Yeah, no, well, yeah, very much loved. Yep, for an S and R class, and uh, yeah, then we got the, the visa anyway. Yeah. Uh, we've got overnights in Easter Island. We've got Tahiti. We've got Sydney. We've got Singapore, we've got Cape Town, we've got um, Mombasa, um, Egypt, and Barcelona. And let's come back to Barcelona, because I mentioned that mm, before, because yeah, yeah. both of these ships are actually going to rendezvous in Barcelona for a very special overnight stay nice. uh, with some very, very special festivities taking place in uh, what is actually one of my favorite cities in the world. It's, it's good to see the two of them together. Um, it's always nice when two ships or more in the fleet come together and, and can um, you know make the, the ports sparkle like that. <laughs> mm, exactly. Yeah. Now, staying with Carnival Corporation, but this time with Carnival Cruise Lines, mm. 
I can't believe how many passengers they carry to Mexico. Back back in the, the day, there was uh, two small ships that used to go down to Mexico, and now we've got some of the, the bigger, newer ships, of course, in the mm. Carnival fleet. Mm. This year, they're going to carry three million people to Mexico. Three million, yeah. Three, well, they project it's going to be 3.5 by the end of 2024. Mm. Um, Cozumel, mm. the company's most popular destination in Mexico, they reckon around 1.6 million people visit the port. Oh, wow. last year which is crazy hey um and then of course there's lots of other um other ports that you can um you can visit but they they've got um five special experiences that they're bringing for their mexican um travelers going to to cosmel baz yeah of course we've got uh, tulum which of course the the marin paradise and of course the ancient temples if you want to uh, do a little bit of snorkeling and take in the natural beauty of the world, they've got Animona Beach Club. Mm. Um, they also do a Tabasco chef uh, cooking and tasting class, which would be uh, quite nice to uh, partake in. You also get to learn how to craft a perfect margarita. Um, we've got Amazing Secret River. I've not heard of that one before, actually. Not sure what goes on there, but it sounds mm. like it's a bit of a nature reserve and uh, lots of caverns and swimming opportunities. And then we've got Scarletta Park, um, which is um, a Mayan jungle experience as mm. well, with the coral reefs, etc. So, yeah, lots to see and do by all accounts in uh, Mexico, mate. Absolutely, Baz. It sounds good. <laughs> and staying with Carnival, of course, uh, we've spoken a little bit about Carnival, Carnival Venetia joining the, the Carnival fleet. She, of course, was previously part of the Costa fleet. She's had her new iconic livery, our Carnival livery, but with mm. a slight twist, Chris. Did you know this? Yeah, yeah, so it's like the blue bow at the front of the ship like the Carnival ships have, but rather than mm-hmm. the red stripe, they've given it a yellow stripe. Um, yeah, which, kind which of I think ties, ties in with the Carnival, with the funnel, doesn't it? The well, the funnel's funnel is just is literally just the Costa funnel still on the top of the yeah. ship. So she she looks um, she definitely looks like she's going through a um, a bit of an identity crisis from the outside. But, <laughs> but from from what we're hearing, um, it's been very well received. Mm. The ship itself. Yeah, of course, and uh, she will be heading on a transatlantic across to New York, Barcelona to New York, and then of course she'll be sailing out of the Manhattan cruise terminal. Mm. She's got ten different. Uh, uh, itineraries uh, to 14 different countries and 22 different destinations, and she's going to be carrying more than 5,000 guests. So she's the second one that's um, joined this carnival fun Italian style, um, you know, former Costa ships that are now sailing in sort of a hybrid uh, configuration. The other one being um, Carnival Firenze, um, which is, um, has, as I mentioned, is very well has been very well received so far. I believe that there's mm. quite a lot of people, and I'm seeing it on YouTube as well. Um, coming on board and thinking this is quite quite fun. So mm. kind of interesting to see how, how they're going to go with this uh, long term. Yeah. Now uh, let's go to the Great Lakes uh, next, Chris, because Viking have doubled their capacity. They've not got one but two ships positioned there for, for this season, mate. Yes, their new purpose-built Viking Polaris, which mm. has just arrived in Toronto. Um, and then there's that identical, you know, she's, she's the second um, of that, well, she's the next one in that design, and the other yep. one, um, uh, Viking Octantis, um, Octantis yep. uh, which will be sailing the Great Lakes, um, has been in there since 2022. Yeah, and, and the itineraries look cracking, actually. And mm. A few people that I've spoken to that have been there said it was a great cruise experience, so um, it's going to be very, very popular, I'm sure, hence the, the yeah. second ship heading there. Now, last but by no means least, Aida, mm. which, of course, is the German-speaking uh, or German-facing carnival yep. brand. Um, they've been doing some great uh, work with the the local shore team up there to find um, greed shore power, and uh, mm. they've taken it to the next level. Well, they're certainly going to utilize um, cold ironing or shoreside power at every port that has it available, which is which is fantastic. Um, 
compared to obviously sitting a ship in port and using the diesel generators uh, or mm. even LNG generators. This is a potentially a much more um, environmentally friendly uh, way to go. I think um, it's you know you're seeing more and more uh, of the cruise lines starting to make commitments to uh, actually take you know. Um, solid steps towards ensuring a, a lower carbon footprint mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know following cruise lines on um, their media channels and on um, on LinkedIn that sort of thing you are seeing more actual tangible um, steps that are being taken rather than just sort of plans and stuff and I think this is one of those those things where you're starting to see it coming out with um, with, a, with a roadmap of how they're going to actually do it yeah yeah Yep, that's uh, it's good, and we see more and more ports around the world uh, embrace the the cold ironing, and obviously mm. it's a large undertaking to to get that infrastructure in place locally. Um, I think Sydney will be the first port here in Australia which will offer it mm. over at course White Bay. Yeah, and with uh, from Aida's um, perspective, they had both Aida Ma and Aida Seoul um, taking in uh, cold ironing at the same time. Wow. Uh, at a German port, so the the plants are now large enough to to feed multiple cruise ships. Um, and in this particular um, voyage, they were able to uh, power the ships using shoreside power that was being generated by um, green sources. So, again, if we can get more and more of that. And I think what, what we need to see, though, globally, Baz, is that it's not just – I mean, all the cruise lines need to be doing this, but it's not just the cruise lines. There needs to be more, I think, in the way of – regulating that um that all of the merchant ships can also do oh, this yeah. sort of thing um because we now know it can be done we have seen it and in fact recently when i was on board queen mary 2 i was um uh, fortunate enough to get a little behind the scenes uh, walk around on the ship and you can see the place where they actually do the shoreside power from um mm. from new york where the where the cables come in um yep. and and it gets plugged into the ship and if it can be done for cruise ships it can be done for all ships and so yeah. we, we need to see um People need to start being putting pressure, I think, on, on this becoming a, a requirement so that we see a, a fast transition because this is something that can be quite, quite um, you know, I'm not going to say easy, but you, you can see that it is possible and there's no real excuse not to be doing it. Yeah, when you consider like how small the global leisure cruise fleet is in comparison to the merchant navy then um yeah oh, it's a, a drop in the ocean as it were for, for the, the the leisure sector i think it's great that the cruise lines um you know passenger expectations and public demand is pushing the cruise lines to sort of lead the way there <laughs> but what i do think then is now next we need to see you know you hear a lot of the stuff about um, expansion of cruising and whether or not ports are being impacted and what the quality of life of people near the ports and stuff are i mean surely it would be a huge improvement if those cargo ships weren't sitting in port belching out, um, mm. you know, all those um, all those toxins and stuff. If if we can get shoreside power, and uh, now there's quite a few examples, and they say Sydney's coming online next. Mm-hmm. Um, there's really no, I, I can't really see any reason why over the next few years we shouldn't see this become sort of the standard. Yeah, no, exactly, in my exactly. Opinion, anyway, <laughs> now, Chris, I have got a losing my ship for this week. Have you? Ooh, mm. you've been traveling, so this could be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Losing my... Well, actually, it's come up a couple of times. Um, so, obviously, I was in Auckland last week and um, was very privileged to take a ferry across to an island and do a bit of sightseeing. And the ferry terminal was actually right next door to the cruise terminal. So mm. we were very up close and personal to a cruise ship that happened to in be Auckland in port Harbour, that then. day. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so as the ferry pulls out, we are, you know, almost within touching distance, mm. not quite, but, you know, very, very close to the ship. Mm-hmm. And I have to admit, I was almost disgusted at the state of the hull. It oh, was gosh. a brand that I look up to and think does a great job um, in their appearance generally, but this ship was grubby at best. She seriously needed a bit of bit of love, a bit of a touch-up, and it's come up in discussion with a few other people around the mm-hmm. world about ships in general. Yeah. Back in the day, if we go back, you know, a couple of years pre-COVID, ships' exteriors were maintained meticulously. Mm-hmm. You know, there was always the odd glimpse of a little bit of uh, cosmetic rust, not, mm-hmm. not real rust, not deep rust. Um, but the crew did a pretty good job of touching up every time the ship was in mm-hmm. port, and obviously different ports require the ships to be alongside in different configurations. So, you know, where possible, the, the work was undertaken, and I just think that either the cruise lines don't have the resources, or they are still in recovery and don't have the budgets, but it's not projecting their best image when they're in some beautiful ports around the world and i think we need to yeah. get them to lift their game and uh, pull their socks up as it were and very, uh, put their best appearance forward yeah very diplomatic of you you haven't mentioned the ship or the name of the company <laughs> yeah I, I could and i could name a few because it's not just yeah, one but this one brand in particular yeah you and i were having a a, a chat with um friend of the podcast Leighton who I think mm-hmm. filled in for me a couple of times and yep. um, he, he had also um, sent through a couple of comments that had come through to him through his network of, of, of some other ships uh, one one of which is very dear to my heart which yeah. apparently is looking extremely um, according to comments is looking is looking quite worn out and I think um, I've actually noticed on a lot of the ships that I've seen since the restart that there is a lot of yellowing of the paint mm-hmm. there is um, even the radomes, which are which are plastic, uh, I think, as far as I'm aware, um, yeah, yeah. Um, are covered in soot and smoke from the from the ship's exhausts. I think there's a lot of um, a lot of maintenance that would normally have been done in dry docks that were skipped yep. during the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. Not not from a safety perspective, but from a, a cosmetic um, and probably tuning up perspective. And as we yep. as we know, Baz, there's like a now a um, uh, a queue of ships ready to go into dry dock there's probably oh, yeah, more yeah, ships yeah. required to go into dry dock than, than there is dry docks available to take them um and of course we've had all sorts of other things happen recently with uh with ships in australia and new zealand having to have their hulls cleaned and all sorts of other stuff so yep. I, I imagine there's a there's a massive backlog but you know you're right if you think back to if i think back to my my first cruises um on the qe2 every time the ship was alongside there was this army of people outside touching her up yeah, yeah. um but then if you do look back through through history there are times when ships did look tired i mean in the age of the jet when in the 1960s when jet travel was impacting um cunard for example only had the finances available to paint one side of the queens and really they painted the side that was going to face the pier in fact when queen elizabeth was was completing its final voyages back in the 1960s the Queen Mother came to visit the ship and she was looking so tired that they painted the side that the Queen Mother would see, but not the side that was facing away from the <laughs> ship. Um, again, in the 1970s, during the oil crisis, um, you can see you can quite easily on, online find photographs of QE2 with rust streaks all across her hull and when she was wearing that grey that gray hull in the 1980s. Again, mm-hmm, she wasn't mm-hmm. being very well maintained because finances were stretched. So you may be onto something there. It could well be that um, after two years of inaction they just don't have the the budget to be spending money on paint but it's not a good look 
No, 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 not when the cameras of the world are always looking for a, a bad crew story to put up in the news. So, yeah. yeah, we just need to put our best foot forward, I think. I Anyhow, rant it. over. I mean, that's the thing, though. Like, you and I, as as commentators on the cruise industry, we do get the phone calls from the media yeah. to ask us to, to comment on every single um, mistake or problem that, yeah. that cruise lines have there. There was one just recently where a ship is, is sailing and it's too close to the coast, so the casino isn't open. And they asked for comment. I'm like, it's probably best I don't go and comment about that <laughs> because yeah. I find it so frustrating that people are are, are so um, you know quick to complain about about everything. But at the same time, if the cruise lines want to make it easier for all of us to be able to to, to say, look, things are improving, then then painting the ship might be a way to do that. Mm, mm, exactly. Anyway, anyway, rant over. There you go. We'll finish <laughs> now, on a high note. We'll finish on a high note. You have already mentioned you've got two videos that came out this week. The links to them, of course, will be in the show notes. One was around the floating out of uh, of Queen Anne, and the other was of your very, very detailed tour of QE Mary 2? Queen Mary 2, yep. yep. I am um, very fortunate. I, when I was recently on Queen Mary 2 as a guest speaker, my one of my best mates came with me, and he he has a, um, a drone, and he was able to um, not only file a flight plan with uh, Air Services Australia, but also get permission <laughs> from the port to to fly the drone um, around Queen Mary 2 there in, when it was alongside in port. Um, oh. So he did it all legally and correctly, which is wonderful, and we've got this fantastic um, video footage that he, he's, he's provided to me for the intro awesome. of that of that tour. Um, and then, of course, there's a, it's a very detailed sort of area tour on board the only area i didn't include is of course the behind the scenes but that, that's all um engine rooms and bridge and that sort of thing is all in in our book so um it's kind of yeah. like a little teaser for the book and then you can go and um check out the the full tour with the with the book but you get to see every public room in the video Awesome. Great videos. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you. Chris, I think uh, that is all we've got time for, mate. Uh, but of course, uh, we will be back same time next week with uh, more of Everything Cruise. Sounds great, Baz. Have a good week. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.